Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest weekly podcast. And what a cast we've got this week, actually. Jeremy Cross, Andy Dunn, Simon Mullock, Matt Dunn. All to uh, digest and chew over the bones of really what happened at the Etihad last night. There's lots of Premier League games um, this week, isn't there? So lots of talking points. Tottenham in turmoil. What earth happens happens next um, at Chelsea? Um, Andy's favourite, Pochettino's back to save them at Stamford Bridge. So, so don't worry, um, Maurizio will be back to uh, to rally the troops, really. But but listen, there's only really one place to start, and, and that has to be the Etihad. Um it was a masterclass from City. Arsenal, I thought, was so poor, just didn't compete. But listen, where, where, where did the line between City's domination and Arsenal's weakness kind of fall? Where, where did, um, you, know, you know, what was the balance between the two? I just thought City were fantastic. One of the best performances I've seen from them, and I'm a huge admirer anyway, in quite some time. But where, where was that balance, Andy, for you, do you think? Um... And, and I, I think you, you probably got it just about right, John. And so I think it was a combination of City in imperious form um, and Arsenal really, really um, not being able to get a foothold in the game. You know, I do think there's, there's, there's so many layers to it, one of which I think is physically. You know, City looked, looked you know, twice as strong as Arsenal last night. They were a lot more direct. They got the ball forward um, more quickly than, than maybe they, they normally do. But physically, they were just on a different plane. Now, now listen, City are, you know, I think Pep Guardiola is, is, is in a very unusual, fortunate position in that we're, we're just about to um, go into May. And Nathan Aki aside, he's got a fully fit squad. You know, and that's quite unusual at this stage of the season for teams that are playing in so many games, you know, they're playing 60-odd games overall. That's quite unusual. And again, this isn't making excuses, but when you've got a squad that deep, compared to say Arsenal, if they have a key injury or two, they can be they can be fundamental to the way they play. So, in other words, the absence of William Saliba exposing Rob Holding for what was a torrid night, despite his consolation goal, that can have a big big impact. You know, it doesn't with City. So, I do think that physically, even though City are playing more games this stage of the season, they look 
they look on a different level to Arsenal in terms of strength, power and speed. So there's that as well. Psychologically, there was clearly a difference. Arsenal were coming again on the back of throwing away points in games they should have won. Certainly the West Ham game they should have won. You could argue they should have won the Liverpool game. And clearly, you know, they played the Boston team and were 3-1 down. And okay, even though they came back, that is, they, they are still big points dropped. So psychologically, they were coming into that. City, on the other hand, were coming in on the back of a run of games where they've just been, you know, they've been, I wouldn't say winning on autopilot, but winning in a really, really confident fashion. So all those things that we thought would happen before the game did happen. The difference between the sides was that great. I don't think overall over the season, the difference you saw the difference between the two sides last night. You know, I do think that was, I wouldn't say one-off, but a measure of what of, of all those circumstances I've referred to. But over the season, you know, Arsenal can be, and listen, don't forget Arsenal are still two points clear in the title race. You know, you know even though City have the two games at hand, you do have to caveat that all the time. Since you've still got to go and win a, a Fulham on, on Sunday and, and perhaps will have to win all their remaining games, six out of their seven remaining games. I doubt that because I think Arsenal might slip up. But yes, I just think that, I, th- I think the season maybe it just caught up with Arsenal, whereas City season seems to be just getting going. And I think that was the difference last night, uh, and it was it was what we expected. But in a way, it was still quite startling to see what we expected happen in such a pronounced fashion. So, when you see a lot of City, so where does that 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 particular performance rank this season and generally? This season, um, I mean, they were, they were, um, I wouldn't say average, but they were below the usual standards before the World Cup. But the last few weeks, they've just kind of absolutely hit full pelt and they're just blowing teams away. Um, I, there was one, there's one thing I would throw into the mix as well. Um, I'd agree with everything Andy said there, but we saw last night a team that is two years in its development, 18 months in its development. Against it's a team that has that has been in these games every season for the last six years. You know that, that was that was the city that we've seen over the last few years against Liverpool. The only difference was that Liverpool um, were you know were never as passive as Arsenal were last night, and um, I think City got a, got a grip of the game so early. And, and, and what illustrated it best for me was. Clearly, Arsenal wanted wanted to play there. That you know the game that's taken to the top of the Premier League. City City's pressing was just so claustrophobic for him that after about half an hour, Arteta just told Ramsdale to start kicking it long. You know, if if, if they were going to lose possession, why not? You know, let's let's lose it in City's half rather than lose it on the edge of our own box. But by then, the tone had been set, and then. I mean, you're right. Uh, I think you said it earlier, Cross, and we saw it. We saw a different side to City's game last night. Um, when when Arsenal got their press right, City were able to bypass it by finding Haaland very early on, and you know Pep changed changed again, again changed his system last night. He played two holding midfielders, and that gave De Bruyne license to get as close to um, Erling Haaland as he could. And Arsenal just had no answer. What when City went long, Arsenal had no answer to the to the power of Ireland and the intelligence of of De Bruyne. And um, listen, that was that was up there with it with all the, the the great City performances that we've seen over over the last few years. And it was, I thought it was just thought it was a real statement last night of of where they are um, going into this part of the season. They they're just getting stronger when teams are usually starting to starting to feel the pace, especially when they're 
they're attacking three one positions. Jeremy, I, I can't I can't deny that I was you know I was really surprised at how poor Arsenal were in my opinion. I mean, I look back upon recent title, you know, epics between City and Liverpool when they've gone toe to toe. A point has separated them, and you know, it's been it's been war until the end, hasn't it? Really, and that's first v second. Last night, I mean, if Arsenal were second place, you you would expect, you know, as good as City were, you'd expect them to compete, and and that's that surprised me. Yeah, they looked nervous from the start, didn't they? I mean, you know. Sagan, well, don't want to say this, but the Etihad's not one of the, you wouldn't put it down as one of the most intimidating grounds in football, you know. But, I mean, it was a good atmosphere last night. I thought the City fans were brilliant, but it's not like, you know, you go to Liverpool sometimes and it, teams cave in. So, and, you know, the Friday thing is, like Sagan said, that was a real statement last night because Arsenal are still top of the league. They've been City's closest challengers this season and they've led the league for most of the season. And the, the difference between the two teams last night was vast, I thought. And, um, you know, Party could have given a penalty away in the um, opening minutes. When the second goal went in by from Stones on the stroke of half-time, I went into the half-time break and, and I thought, look, this game's done. You just couldn't see a way back for Arsenal. And, you know, I felt a bit sorry for Arsenal last night because they, they, they played, played within themselves, but they also... They also knew, I think, within half an hour that they were going to get absolutely schooled last night by City. And that was the best I've seen City play for this certainly this season. Um, and in terms of a statement, like Simon referred to earlier, what does that say to the rest of the Premier League for next season? Because I think City, you know, are going to go on and win the title probably comfortably now. And, you know, if Arsenal are the ones who are supposedly closest to City, What's it going to be like next season? Especially if some some way they City managed to sign Bellingham ahead of Real Madrid. You've got Haaland now who's going to get 50-odd goals, maybe more. I just can't see how anyone can come close to City next season. I think the title race is theirs to win again in next season as well. Matt, tell me, does, does, does the way that Arsenal have, uh, have fallen apart in the last four games, and they have, let's be brutally honest, um, th- does that have do you think the danger of a lasting impact on what Mikel Arteta is trying to do long term, will it have an impact on, on players and confidence? If it's allowed to get under their skin, it will do. Um, the biggest problem for Arsenal is, as they showed against City last, a third time this season, they've lost to City. And uh, they've narrowly beat Man United and Liverpool 3-2, but then lost to United earlier in the season, drew with Liverpool. I'm not sure they're quite good enough to go toe-to-toe with the very best teams and compete with them. And they've been immaculate at rolling over the, the, the lower teams until the last couple of weeks. So if they can get that back on track, they'll get another point again next season. But what Arteta needs to build into them over the summer is the belief that they can actually beat Manchester City uh, in a head-to-head uh, and that they are good enough to win the title because they've come really close by being very professional, very ruthless against the poor teams. But I'm not quite sure they're a title-winning side yet. Across the Arsenal are in, in progression, aren't they? They're attempting to build in the makers of a really good side there. City, you look, when you look, watched them play last night, you just thought, they're the finished product, aren't they, City? They're the complete team and they should, they should really win the treble this season. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I always think there's gonna, there, there will be debate 
and 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 guys, you know, uh, you know, why don't you take it on? But basically, there will be debate about, you know, is it a sad indictment of the of the Premier League that City is so far ahead of the rest? I always think that's ridiculous because I just think it's up to teams to kind of push the rest. You know, City did it with Liverpool. You know, Liverpool raised their game to compete, and that's what you've got to do, and that's the challenge, isn't it? I mean, I, I personally think that Pep Guardiola will end up winning the treble this season. And I just think they're the best team in Europe, the best team around, absolutely unstoppable if they play anywhere near their best. And it's just, it's up to the others, isn't it, to rise to the challenge. I mean, it's just, you know, I just think they're taking football to a whole new level. What, what, why condemn it? Why not celebrate? Well, last night was the benchmark, wasn't it? That was the message they sent to every other English team. This is, this is what you need to produce to compete with us. And, you know, Listen, we all know City spent a lot, a lot, a lot of money on getting the best players in the world, but that's that's just the way it is. I've got to play devil's advocate. Clearly, when when the takeover happened at City, they spent an awful lot of money playing catch up and to get into the Champions League positions. Look at the spending over the last, certainly over the last 10 years in comparison to Man United. Look at their spending over the last five years in comparison even to Arsenal. Um, they've not got the biggest wage bill in the Premier League. Man United and, and Liverpool have. Chelsea will probably soon overtake City. I think they're, they're, it's, it's kind of a little bit... Um, of course the money made a difference at, at Manchester City. Of course it did. There's no getting away from that. But... I think we're we're doing down a little bit the quality of the of the people they've got in to run that club. They are absolutely um, top of class in in every department. The, you know they they team won Premier League two again for the third season running last week. Um, their youth system is up there with the best in the country, um, and. Um, you know, I, th- I think five, six years ago, that that could the money thing could have been levelled at City quite easily. I don't think that's the case now. I think it's just a case that City, from the from the coaching staff, from you know Guardiola, they've got the best manager in the world. They've got a structure there that puts other clubs to shame. And you see how Man United have fallen away since um, Ferguson and David Gill left the club. Um, you know, it was it was uh, it, that we, we've had the Ferguson and David Gill era, and now we've got the kind of Catalan era at Man City. And I think, yeah, the money has played a part. Of course, it has. But if you look at over the last five years, and certainly since Pep Guardiola came into the club, they've just got a, a structure in place there that leaves everybody else in the Premier League standing. No, no, it 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 it, 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 it certainly does. Um, I, I think we should also bear in mind that they there are currently over a hundred charges of financial uh, misdeeds leveled against them by the Premier League. And I think we should, I, I think when you say, well, when John, you say, you know, how could you condemn City? Well, you know, let's wait and find out what the outcome of these charges are. And if any of these charges, if one of these 100 and whatever, however, however many it is, 113 charges or so stick, then you can condemn them if that happens. So let's wait and find out. You know, it, it, I mean, that story broke and then almost, and it's understandable because of the beauty of City's football and everything that Simon's referring to, it's easy to forget that these these charges are still there. How long they'll be there for? Who knows how long it's going to last? It could be one year, two years, three years, even more. But let's bear that in mind, that you know, that this is a club that still has 
the shadow, not honestly still, has the shadow of Premier League financial allegations against them. And that maybe is why some people will have the caveat of saying, well, actually, is your is what is this magnificent um institute this magnificent footballing um machine you've built, has it been built? legally or illegally in terms of Premier League regulations. And we wait to find out. City deny it. You know, the Premier League brought their charges. Let's see what happens with those. Joe, putting all that aside, what always astonishes me about City is, and obviously we all cover them extensively season after season. Every season, when it gets to about February, they absolutely deliver the goods. They peak at the right. There was one exception when Liverpool won the title by a country mile in 2020 during the pandemic. City were miles off the pace. Well, that aside, they always come up trunks with the results. They grind. I don't know if they won like something crazy like 12 or 13 out of the last 14 games now. Ironically, the last team to beat were Tottenham. I'll share how that might have happened, but they always do it. It's amazing. They all, they, they've seen off Liverpool. It looks like they're going to see off Arsenal. And, the, you know, it just in sport in general, the greats of sport, the teams, individuals, they always produce when it counts, when, it need, when it's needed and City do it every season on season. The one asterisk is obviously he needs to win the Champions League. They, they need to be cleared of charges as well, don't they? Really? Or, 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 or are we not bothered? Andy, what I would say is that basically you, you're absolutely right. Of course you are. But, but I, I, I feel as if, say, for example, in, in some miracle, and I think this is, this is the problem that, you know, the, the, for the Premier League, isn't it? It's going to drag on forever. But speaking hypothetically... You know, say for example, I remember at someone actually wrote, oh, they're hoping to get it done by the end of the season. I mean, how ridiculous does that look now? Do you know what I mean? But speaking very hypothetically here, if they somehow miraculously out of nowhere suddenly said, right, okay, you know, we've come to a conclusion, we've, we've, we've assessed the charges and here's the punishment and they're basically stripped of, I don't know, 30 points and Arsenal are suddenly installed as champions. Well, no one would actually believe that they're ch- the true champions, are they? Absolutely, they would. If you're found to have cheated, if you're found to have cheated, then, you, you know, listen, really? When Ben Johnson was stripped of gold, who won the 100 metres? Not Ben Johnson. Do you consider Ben Johnson to be Olympic champion? No, but no one remembers who got installed as champion. Carl Lewis? No one remembers that race for Carl Lewis. No one. When City were charged by UEFA and then found guilty by UEFA, City were adamant they would be cleared by Cass. That their their the sort of confidence at the club was was absolute, and and they they've been exactly the same since the Premier League charges were laid. Now the Premier League had four years they investigate City for four years to lay those charges. When the charges came out, and City looked in the looked in the hand, the, the Premier League handbook to see what you know what these charges entailed. The Premier League hadn't even numbered the charges correctly. One related to the length of the grass, another one related to the um, to the, the amount of tickets that away fans were given, and it was only when City actually went to the champion, the uh, Premier League, and said, "You've actually numbered these allegations incorrectly," and the Premier League quickly made amends to it. Now, this is a four-year investigation, and they couldn't even get the charges right. Uh, uh, you know, and the other thing was, this was on the week that the white paper was coming out that they that these charges suddenly, you know, w- suddenly were laid after y- years of years of you know, of, of an investigation. So I agree with you, Donny. If they if they're found to have been found guilty, if they're found guilty, clearly they need to be punished. 
but there is there is a um there is a uh, a determination in some quarters to say that they've been charged so they're guilty now they were charged by UEFA and the the, the thing that they were found guilty of was not cooperating and the reason they didn't cooperate was because they didn't think they were getting a fair hearing off UEFA it took Cass one 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 morning to 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 basically say UEFA's case was was so flawed that it, it couldn't stand up. I, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll check it out when it said it was so flawed. The main issue was 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 the time schedule, the time technicality, wasn't it? Don't City were, City were found guilty of FFP breaches by UEFA in two thousand and fourteen. What right? Get them fined. What UEFA did. They went. They were. They went for in 2014 again. And Cass said, "Look, you've. They've already. Um, they have already been fined for that. You can't go. You can't. You can't punish them again for something that they've already paid a fine for. That's like going to. You know, being being charged for speeding, paying the fine, and then the police saying we're going to put another three points on your license and fine you again. That was the time barred issue. The time barred issue was time barred because those charges." Pre two thousand and fourteen had already had already been heard and they'd already paid paid a fine on it. Anyway, without outside chat somehow come to bring these charges. I don't quite out I know how, but I guess I guess that, that's the point. Of it. it does need to be made on this. We've seen this like in the last week. The fairy tale at Wrexham. Now I've got a lot of rest- I like Wrexham. I actually did my NCTJ um course at the college right next to the race course ground. Got a lot of time for Wrexham, the town and, and the football club. Ryan Reynolds, it's a fairy tale where we get a, a guy plunging thousands and thousands of pounds into a football club and raising the profile of that football club, but making him the richest football club in the league. American money seems to be very good um, and there seems to be a little bit of a snare when it comes to, um, you know, Arab money, this so-called oil money coming in, coming into the league. We've seen it with City, and we're seeing it more and more with Newcastle as they as they kind of uh, start to develop as well. And I think that I think it's a little bit a little bit unfair. I remember two thousand and nineteen FA Cup final, watching the most mesmerising performance. Manchester City absolutely playing Watford off the pitch six nil, absolutely almost making a mockery of the FA Cup final being the greatest contest and competitive game uh, in the calendar and thinking what a marvellous display but actually if City shouldn't have been able to put that team together because of financial fair play rules because they broke the rules then it means nothing it's coffee again you know put all those medals in the bin the sneering about Arab investment came prior to FFP regulations coming in it came literally from day one um, and it's been widespread and I think it's something really that that the, the kind of, you know, that the media in, in our country kind of need to look at. But, you know, it, it's this fantastic fairy tale when an American comes in with, with absolutely no connection to Wrexham, by the way. And then, you know, Wrexham have pulled, what, 110 points, is it? But look, what what I would say is, look, it, we can debate this all along. I do, I, I feel as if Manchester City will win the treble this season. And I think that Guardiola has... Franklin reinvented aspects of football and he's built the best team, I think, of the Premier League era. And I think they'll go on to to, to win quite comfortably this season and it will be their fifth title in six years. 
And I do think their, 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 their domination was just underlined, frankly, wasn't it, by, by, by their performance at the Etienne. We've had a good old debate there. We're not all going to agree, but there you go. Um, anyway, um, but look, one, one thing I don't think is in dispute is Tottenham in turmoil. And, um, I mean, this, this week has just been absolutely catastrophic. Again, embarrassing, isn't it? And I do feel as if, Matt, you and I are both off to what a lane later, aren't we? And um, to see that. And I don't know quite what performance we'll get. I do feel as if the, the one aspect is that uh, who will get the most stick, I think, uh, from the crowd tonight is perhaps um, uh, uh, Daniel Levy, isn't it? What 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 what's going on at Spurs and, and and how much blame of this is at Daniel Levy's door? Do you think? Well, I thought it was a classic statement that they put out when they got rid of Stellini. You had to go after that performance. Let's get that straight. He's come in. He's made no apology for being Conte light, and that's not what Spurs need right now. So he definitely had to go. At least Levy recognised that. But he put out a statement saying that ultimately the responsibility lies with me. So I'm sacking the manager. How does that, you know, what kind of a statement is that? You know, and he said in his statement, I'm to blame. And in the same statement, he's sacking him out. I mean, if he's to blame, he needs to sort himself out. You know, yes, the thing, the trouble is, you know, the only way he gets out is if someone comes and buys, buys the club from him, pretty much. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's an absolute mess. And, uh, you know, he, you know, and if he talks himself as being that bad, then the, the value of the club goes down. He's less likely to leave. The whole thing. Uh, Levy needs to have someone alongside him who's capable of giving him really good football advice, which just seems bizarre. The whole way they handled the Paratici thing, where they backed him, even though it was clear he was on his way out of the game. There were still stories coming from Switzerland that Paratici was inviting people over for interviews and whatever. All the time he was banned and conducting football business. Um, you know, the whole thing there was a mess. You know, they, they got him to brief on the uh, um, sacking of Conte just before it came out, even though that's where the headwind was blowing. It's been handled wrongly at that level, at board level, for a long, long time, probably since the sacking of the decision to sack Pochettino. You know, Levy's appointed so many managers over 20 years. He's got two really good ones in Spurs history, recent history, Harry Redknapp, Pochettino. He sacked both of them too soon, um, and generally, some of the appointments he's made have been so bad that the you know other sort of PLC chairman or whatever wouldn't survive that. But yeah, he's clinging on, even though he's he's almost like sticking two fingers up to the fan by saying, "Yeah, yeah, of course I'm to blame, but I'll carry on sacking the managers until I get a good one, or we get you know we get lucky again." Uh, you know, the whole thing's a mess, and I I think Levy's going to cop Ryan Mason. Uh, you know, with his history, with with his, with his backstory, I feel surely you were there. Their their game, the last game that Mason was in charge of at, at the lane was Villa, wasn't it? And that turned toxic, didn't it? Yeah, but that was just toxic with everything because they got rid of Mourinho on the eve of a cup final. Again, it was poor decisions that were great. You know, even Mourinho, you you know, who's going to win us the Carabao Cup, Jose Mourinho or Ryan Mason? You know, that's the decision that Levy made. And that was just the, and because Paul Ryan Mason's there being visible, and that's the thing with Levy, you know, and he'll quite happily stick his his face up in the Cambridge Union and say how wonderful he is. 
um, as a Cambridge alumni, um, but he won't stand out and talk to a Spurs you know, group or whatever or, or, or even talk to us to explain some of his decision-making. You know, he said it, he's to blame. Well, perhaps he could explain, explain and answer a few questions, proper questions um, you know, as to why he's to blame or what he's doing to, to make it right again because he hides away, shrivels into his seat when things go badly so the, the sky company, the widest lens to pick, you know, the strongest lens to pick him out. Ryan Mason stood there on the touchline. He's going to, you know, be the focus of some, some of these. The players probably have copped for a load of as well. But and to be fair, they are underperforming players than that. But the, the poison's just all around the club. And it's Levy who's got to sort it out. Now, if Levy's going to stick around because effectively it's kind of his club, then he needs somebody there next to him. You know, Ryan Reynolds didn't suddenly think he was a football guru and come in. If Wrexham's story would have been very different. You know, he got, got people in like Phil Parkinson who knew what they were doing. And, you know, he had other advisors, you know, the the, uh, the infamous Sean Harvey, whatever. He got people who at least understood football, whether they're good or bad, um, to uh, to come and uh, advise him. Levy needs that person. He needs an edu. He needs a Burgistan. He needs, he needs somebody who knows what they're doing. A better check as he was... But Chelsea briefly, um, you know, he needs somebody of that calibre who can really get a grip of the entire club and steer them in the right footballing direction. Well, I'm, incl- I'm inclined to agree, really. I mean, uh, Jeremy, what did you make of the the, the uh, players refunding the fans, really, and, 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 and that, frankly, debacle? I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? I thought it was laughable, to be honest. I think it's an absolute shambles. Whoever made that decision needs sacking on the spot. It's absolute, It's an absolute joke. I mean, look, sport is about competition. You have good days and you have bad days. And Tottenham clearly had a very, very bad day. You know, Man United had a really bad day at Anfield when they lost 7-0. You don't, you don't see Man United offering to refund supporters. I don't, I'm not sure if it was a decision made by the players, whether the fans raised it and got, what, got their wish. But, you know, sport is... It, you go to sit, you go to watch a sporting event, and you don't know what the outcome is going to be, whether it's good or bad. That's the whole point of going to a sporting event. It could be football, whatever, tennis, rugby, cricket, you know. And if, if your team lets you down, that's that's just like, isn't it? So I just think the whole thing, like Matt Sunday, perfectly, they're just a shambles in the club, and that this little incident is one of many to encapsulate where Tottenham are at. They're so, they're so dysfunctional at the minute. It's laughable. I mean, it's. it's I mean, the story of the season is probably going to be City in a trouble, but if City don't win a trouble and they just win the title of the FA Cup, then there's nothing new in that really. But the season's going to be talked about in terms of Chelsea and Tottenham, and which is the most, which is the biggest basket case of a club, Chelsea or Tottenham. Crossy makes a really good point there. Somebody on Twitter raised it as well yesterday. I can't remember who it was. But they basically said that football fans have complained for years that they're, they've been turned into consumers and now they're kind of getting money back on poor performances, which basically means that they're happy to accept being consumers when, um, you know, when the football club now, now lets them down. So I, I'm a bit like Crossy, listen, football, um, you know, it comes with its ups and it comes with its downs and you have to take it all on the chin. And part, part of being a football fan, you know, even even when it gets to the lowest and the low, it's just kind of accepting that that's what you've bought in, into. And, um, you know, I, th- I think it's, I, I also, th- I think, listen, it's a nice gesture by the Tottenham fans and by the Tottenham players to, to make refunds, but I hope it doesn't become a, 
a habit because fans then do really become consumers. Andy, here's an idea for you. Um, Harry Kane, player manager. I'll tell you what, is that the only way that they could possibly convince him to stay? Because Harry Kane's got one year left on his contract. It's an absolute fast behind the scenes. I love Harry Kane. I think he's a fabulous player. World-class striker. Would fit in at any club. And I just think, what must he be thinking? I mean, it's just crazy, isn't it? So what does the future hold for Harry Kane? And what should the future hold for Harry Kane? Right, I suspect the future holds Tottenham Hotspur before him. He likes the club, he likes the area, he likes... Listen, in a way, the discussion about... I think we'll probably all agree that, that you know, it's quite ludicrous, that this this whole refund argument. But then it's typical of the overreaction that is throughout football and is throughout, you know, let's face it, is also we are guilty of as well. You know, Tottenham Hotspur, if they win tonight, will be fifth in the Premier League table, you know. Their demise is, let's just say, exaggerated to quite a considerable extent. I mean, everything has to be, it's a shambles, they're a disgrace, they're whatever, or Levy can't, can't, you know, can't run anything. Well, actually, you know what? If they won tonight, they'd be fifth. Who would the clubs be above them? Newcastle, loads of money. Manchester United, a commercial juggernaut. Manchester City, we've spoken about, and Arsenal, we've spoken about. Listen, they can't. You know, we are literally looking for disasters and shambles. And we're actually, you know what? He hasn't got things right, you know, and 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 the things didn't go right with Conte. However, you know, it's not. You're not talking about a Mickey Mouse club here. You're talking about a club that has one of the most, possibly the best stadium in Europe. You're talking about a club that has an awfully lot of good players, including Harry Kane. You're talking about a club that has got a big fan base. You're talking about a club that that averages, and it has averaged probably over the last, you know, 20 years. A, a finishing position maybe I don't know. I, I'm guessing now, but I'd say around about 6th or 7th. Yes, it would be nice if they won trophies. Yes, it would be nice if they competed for a title, um, you know, which they haven't done for well, probably since, actually, ironically, since they messed up at the Battle of the Bridge that time when Pochettino took them there. However... You know, it'd be nice if they did all that. I, I, I agree. I agree. But, you know, they are not the basket case of a club that people seem to make out. And Harry Kane, you know, they, oh, oh, what's Harry Kane going to do? Well, Harry Kane, you know, one could sign a new contract that would make him probably, I would guess, one of the best paid players in the league. Harry Kane's family, you know, I mean, are settled and obviously he's got a new addition on the way. He's the leader of that club. He's going to go down, well, he is the all-time top scorer. He will create records, you know, that won't be broken. He will continue to be England captain for pretty much as long as he, as, as he wants to be. Now, what's missing is, yes, it's trophies. Okay, so where's he going to go to get the trophies? So where, 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 where will he go to get these trophies? He tried to go to Man City two summers ago, didn't he? Harry Kane thought the club was so stable and so good, he would have signed the contract. It would make no business sense whatsoever from Harry Kane's point of view to sign a contract. Have you looked at his last few contracts when he signed them? Signed them with about three or four years to go. Yeah, but but listen, but, but why would he sign one now? In my view, Harry Kane is making a huge statement by pushing it into into potentially the final year. John, but why wouldn't he keep those options open? You know, he would keep those options open, surely, at that stage of his career. He's not most players because of his, his world-class ability, but he's also an incredibly loyal player who does, has no desire, in my view, to leave Spurs. Not, not a single bone in his body wants to leave Spurs. I totally agree with you. I think he wants to stay at Spurs, break the Premier League record, having already broken the Spurs record, 
I've got so much admiration for his loyalty, but I, I do feel the very fact that he's not signing that contract is actually Harry Kane saying, I'm a bit fed up. I'm not sure we can compete. I know what you're saying. They've built a brilliant stadium, best stadium in the world. But for Spurs not to have won a trophy in 15 years, I'm sorry, but that's not enough. It's whatever the rights and wrongs two summers ago, that row with Levy about whether he could leave or not. The upshot of it was, is Levy ripped up any goodwill that Kane had towards him and the club in, in not allowing him to, to speak to City. And I don't think particularly that Kane was necessarily right in that. And I think the, the wisdom of having his brother as his agent, all those things cloud the issue. But on a personal level, Kane decided then and there, well, actually, I don't owe you anything now, Daniel. Um, and that's why he's not signing his contract. It puts the club in a really difficult position this summer. They've either got to, if they've got to cash in on him, they've got to do it this summer and they've got very little say over whether he, where he chooses to go. If they can afford to let his contract go down to zero and him walk away, then that's a risk they take. But what he's not going to do is leap into bed with them. He may be won over by the fact that he is Spurs through and through and eventually sign a new contract, but he'll do it on his terms now because of what Levy did to what he sees Levy did to him two summers ago. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe Harry Kane can go to the Northwest, perhaps. You know, certainly a club in Manchester, still vying, the other club in Manchester, still vying for his, his services. And I have to say, there's a club in West London that could, could really do with this, with a centre forward. Um, and, and they've got his, his returning favourite former manager, really, Maurizio Pochettino. The chances of Harry Kane to Chelsea, absolutely no chance with that rivalry. But, um, but I, um, I do, I do want to have a look at Pochettino coming back. The world's greatest manager, as Andy Dunn always calls him. Um, um, I tell you what, what about this move? You know, I, it, it, it's obviously, they've been through a long, drawn-out process. It's going to be Pochettino. Pochettino potentially, you know, announced soon, but maybe only taking over in the summer because Frank Lampard installed. I, I, that makes the, uh, no sense to me whatsoever. Absolutely none whatsoever. And can Pochettino make this work? Can he turn this around, guys? What, what, what do we think? Well, I was there last night, John, and... Uh, you know, he's wise to stay as far away from it at the moment as possible because he doesn't want the first few games to be this bunch of disaffected players struggling with confidence, struggling with anything, uh, struggling with this half an eye on the summer, knowing the season's over, wondering whether they've got a job in half next season. Um, you know, Brentford were, were comfortably uh, out, out fault to them with an F outthought them with a TH. Um, yeah, Chelsea just didn't really seem to know what they were doing. Uh, and then it was just too easy after all. Stamford Bridge was flat. I mean, I'm guessing a few guys were watching the game in the pub that you guys were at um, because there were empty seats before kickoff. There were certainly empty seats by the final whistle. Um, and yeah, I've never known the whole trip out to West London be just so down and dismal. You know, <laughs> it just doesn't look like it's about to change. And, uh, yeah, so Pochettino, I think, it, it, you know, it's difficult to unveil a manager and say, oh, but I'm off on holiday, you know, until the summer, go back. But that's the right thing to do because otherwise he comes back 
He starts to fight battles with people that he doesn't need to be fighting battles with. The whole club just need to break. Um, and um, and it's ironic um, that Tottenham, in the, even in the competition, to be the worst run club of, of the season, still can't win a trophy. Um, Chelsea have been head and shots. This first 11 months has been an absolute mess. And, uh, and Bowling needs to take a step back. Um, uh, and Pochettino, yeah, have a summer to think about things. Let the players chill a bit and then see what you can build. What Chelsea need is for their players to go away and chill a little bit. Pochettino, top bowlers should be saying, Pochettino, game now. You've got six or seven games until the end of the season. Competitive games where you can see who you can rely on and who you can't rely on. Playing for a manager who's not going to be there next season. They need to be playing for a manager who was, who was basically going to decide their futures. I can't understand why they're not getting Pochettino in now and saying, look, you've got a number of competitive games to see who you can rely on. And then, you know, and then the, you know, the real work starts in terms of bringing a philosophy to the club. The real work starts in pre-season. Get it done now. You know, I, I can't let the players chill out until the summer. Those players, the last thing the players need is to be given a summer to chill out. They need to kick up the backsiders as soon as possible, you know. And I don't blame the players, by the way. I blame the owner because the club is in, in an almighty mess. That You know, the, the squad's overloaded. Spent six hundred million pounds and gone backwards at a rate of knots. Um, you know, I I think Chelsea should get Pochettino in there as soon as possible because you know he's he's done his right. He's a top manager, and then um, there is a team in there at Chelsea. It just needs somebody to carve it out. I will never understand a manager who takes over and is announced on the Thursday, goes and sits in the stand on the Saturday. I just don't get that. I don't get that. Let alone. You know, however many games they've got left this season, it's just defies. But I actually think it makes the manager look weaker. You know, I just don't. I just, it just makes no logic to me. I think that Andy, you, you go along with the, the the view, don't you? That he gets a very easy ride off the off the uh, off the off the southern press for 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 um for the job that he's done, and because he's he, he's charming and he smiles brightly, and uh, um yeah, frankly. But is he the right man for Chelsea? First of all, you know, I, I really like the way his, his, his Tottenham team played football in the main. Yeah, my bad point is that, and I'm not alone in this, that my point is if there, was a, if there was a league table for managers whose reputations are far grander than their achievements, then clearly he would be a runaway leader. You know, I mean, he's won two trophies in his career, as far as I can see, the, uh, the French League and the French Cup, and, you know, which is like the equivalent of, you know, Tiger winning a monthly medal, really, isn't it? Like, you know, it, it's that's what's expected there. So he, in a way, you know, he's 1050. He's seen as one of the this group, this cabal of stellar and leads European coaches. He's got plenty to prove, which is why I totally agree with Simon. And and, and we had this discussion, I think, last night at the Etihad about it. And I mean, I think all it was done, he clearly is in agreement, but which he's got plenty to prove. So why does he get in there now? Just get in, get in there now and see. Who's got the stomach for the fight? See who's got the character. See who's got the backbone. See who's got the gojones to actually, you know what I mean? I know which players I want on board and which I don't. And also, I just think the simple fact of the matter is, is that surely he will be advising Todd Burley on a summer transfer market policy. And and, and bear in mind, goodness knows, Todd needs all the advice he can get by the looks of it. So surely he goes in there and he, and, and he can make a judgment over the next month, six Premier League games, however many training sessions, and he can make a judgment and say, well, you know what? I don't fancy him. I don't fancy him. I do fancy him. Here's where we need strength. 
It just seems a no-brainer. I'm with Simon. Listen, I think Pochettino has plenty to prove. I think the team will play good football, his teams do. Um, and I just I think it's a no-brainer that he should be on the touchline in the technical area for that game against Arsenal on Tuesday night. And let's face it, it would be great, wouldn't it? Imagine then, it give the players a lift. And what better way, just a, for a crumb of comfort, they could actually go and complete Arsenal's misery by going there and winning uh, with Pochettino in the dugout at Arsenal, his old rivals, on Tuesday. It would also be a nice job to see Super Crank out of his misery, wouldn't it? I mean, Alan Shearer was on match the day the first programme after Flampard had gone back in saying it was a no-brainer for Frank. Well, absolutely not. I mean, he's on high to nothing. He's walked straight back into a bed there, you know, and I just don't understand what he thought he was doing. I feel so sorry. I mean, he's obviously getting paid handsomely and all that. But he's, he was a, one of the, he's one of the great players of English football. His managerial reputation is absolutely getting trashed every game now. When you think about when Pochettino does come in, if Lampard is there till the end of the season, what, 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 what is it? Where's, where does he come after that? Who's going to take him on next? Yeah, I think Lampard, I did think at the time Lampard made some sense, but I, I, I wasn't sure it was no brainer territory, but I did think it, uh, you know, it made some sense. But in all we've ended up with Chelsea getting worse because, you know, it's a rather less shit. It's pointless putting in a, a manager with no authority. And that's what Lampard has got really. No fault of his, but and I think also in, in the meantime, his his reputation has been caught in the crossfire. Look, you know, Frank Lampard is an absolute Chelsea god, and you know, I mean, the last game, Chelsea game I went to, they're still singing his name. Fantastic, brilliant. But I, I, I'm sorry, but he's it's 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 a poison chalice, and they put him onto a hiding. Anyway, guys, say thanks so much for joining. It's been a really uh, Lively chat, I must say, and uh, very enjoyable. So, plenty to chew over. Good to see you and see you all at the same time, same place next week.